Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. What happens to service members when they die tragically in boot camp? Not on foreign battlefields, but is our training overbearing? Are the vaccines causing an issue? Died suddenly? Well, Manny Vega has an organization to save our service members. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. In today's show, we have a live Skype interview with the father of a Marine. And a Marine himself, Manny Vega leads SaveOurServiceMembers.org. Welcome to the program from California via Skype. How are you today, Manny Vega? I'm doing good. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Well, thank you. I'm sorry for your tragic loss of your son, Patrick, who, like you, wanted to be a Marine, wanted to serve his country, put on the uniform, took the brave uh, initiative of going to Marine basic training. Um, you're a Marine. Can you describe that process? Sure. Um, you know, to join the Marine Corps is accepting a, life, a lifestyle change. Uh, to join any branch of the U.S. Armed Services is to commit yourself uh, to serve our country. You know, as a young man or woman, you know, that decision is always made. Uh, it's a difficult decision made. I remember that I made that decision at the age of 17 when I was graduating college and my friends were off to, excuse me, graduating high school, my friends were off to college. So it's a difficult decision and a commitment. And at the age of 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, we have young people across the nation making this commitment, so. And you had that talk with your son, Patrick. You sort of warned him about uh, the, the, the burden that he was going to accept. Uh, did you have any expectation that there would be any any tragedy? You know, I spent close to nine years in the Marine Corps. I was a scout sniper uh, in the infantry, basically. Um, so I called it the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, I experienced a lot of tragedy and death while I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, my son knew all about it. I suffer from complex PTSD from a lot of the events that I lived through. Uh, but still, his grandfather was born on the Marine Corps birthday on November 10th and served in the Marine Corps during Korea. Uh, his uncle served in the Marine Corps. I served in the Marine Corps. So, And then there's other family members that have a long legacy of service to our country. So he just felt that it was his patriotic duty to do something. And you supported him 100%, and he chose to go in his father's footsteps. So he enlists in the Marines, and he goes to boot camp in... San Diego, describe that process. Sure, so my son um, ships out, I can't remember exactly when, but it's the beginning of March, 2018. Um, you know, boot camp is 13 weeks or anywhere between 90 to 91 days, Marine Corps boot camp to be successfully enter and, and, and go through the program, not being uh, held back for any reasons. Uh, within his first week that he arrived there, uh, you know, uh, he 
just like any other boot camp or basic training, whether it's the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, uh, you know, you get your inoculations, back, uh, vaccines, and, you know, they, they stress you out within the first two days, and that happens. And then within that first week, you're doing your initial strength test. And unfortunately, my son had uh, got a upper, yeah, upper respiratory infection, which kind of prevented him from, you know, accomplishing his run time. Uh, and so he was moved to what they call the medic, uh, to the physical conditioning platoon, where they're going to work on his run time. But at the same time, he was kind of mixed in with uh, other recruits uh, that were in the medical rehab platoon. So medical rehab platoon is for people who are sick, maybe with the upper respiratory infection. The physical fitness platoon is for people who are slow, like me, right? I have stubby legs, and it was always hard to to, to run fast enough to meet the standard. There's everything's physical fitness. You know, how many push-ups can you do? Um, how fast can you complete the obstacle course? How fast can you, you know, uh, redress your your weapon and 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 load and unload cartridges and and everything is rote training and the Marines are very hard. Do you believe there was any hazing involved? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, as a, as a former Marine myself, you know, there's a pecking order, especially when you get into boot camp. So again, and I, the reason I bring up, you know, my son was moved to the physical conditioning platoon to work on his runtime. Um, you know, that's one aspect of it, you know, that, you know, sometimes you have to work on your pull-ups, your sit-ups or your runtime. It was his runtime that was holding them back. Um, so they they co-mingled both the medical rehab platoon and the physical conditioning platoon. And what happened with the medical rehab platoon, and, and nothing against any young man that, or woman that's been in the medical rehab platoon, but sometimes they're looked at as malingerers. They're, they look like, you know, they're sick bay commandos. They don't want to conform or be part of the training. So. You, in instances, you have young men that have been in boot camp for over 500, 800 days at a time. And my son came across some of these young men that have been there for several hundred days. So you're asking me, was there any hazy? Um, and just so you know, I'm a former law enforcement officer. I retired. I used to investigate violent crimes. So I do have an investigative background. And when I started looking into the death of my son, I did finally get in contact with some of these young men who recruits who were with my son. And one of them said to me, uh, who, again, he had been there for several hundred days when my son and him came in contact. He said that he ran the barracks like a cell block. Wow. So tell us about the tragedy. How did you learn of it? Yes, um, so what happens is, again, my son, you know, First five days gets sick, gets moved into the physical conditioning platoon. Um, from the reports that I've looked at, uh, they're heavily redacted, there's missing pages. Um, what I could tell is Monday, I can't, I can't tell what he did uh, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, but I do know that on Wednesday, uh, March, uh, and I can't remember the exact date, but March in 2018, he goes to sickbed. Again, complaining about his, you know, a cough, phlegm. Uh, he started throwing up. Um, they give him anti-nausea medication. They give him, you know, just the basic, uh, you know, Sudafed and you know, uh, eat bland food and get a lot of rest. 
by Thursday, he goes back again, and this time he's weak because he's been throwing up. Uh, they actually put him in a wheelchair and they wheel him over. I know they do a blood test. And by Friday morning, and he's, he's constantly throwing up diarrhea. Um, by Friday morning, uh, because he's part of the physical conditioning platoon, he actually goes out and attempts to make his run time. He collapses on the track. Uh, he, he scrapes up both his knees. He's put in the back of a golf cart and taken back to the barracks. Um, later that evening, uh, he can't walk through the chow line, so he has two recruits physically hold him on either side. They walk him across the chow line. Somebody carries his tray. He sits down, attempts to eat, vomits all over his tray. They take him back to the barracks. At the barracks, they have him sit in what's called the quarter deck or the classroom area or the open space in front of the drill instructor's duty hut in view of all the recruits. And so you're talking about about 80 other recruits, uh, a couple of drill instructors are there. Um, from looking at the statements, the written statements that were written by recruits, uh, my son was uh, drooling at the mouth was incohesive, wasn't making sense, unable to stand by himself. And the, uh, the, the, the duty drill instructor at that point was changing over. And so a, freshman, a fresh drill instructor was coming in for the weekend. This is Friday afternoon, evening. Um, basically, he goes to the command duty officer and says, hey, recruit Vega is still throwing up. The duty officer basically says, well, you know what? Uh, move him over three beds. That way, he doesn't. He's not contagious. And uh, and and uh, they said, well, should we call EMS? And no, we're not going to call EMS for one recruit who's throwing up. That's actually in the reports. I found that. And so that was the that sealed the deal for my son. He was basically at that point left to the care of other recruits. Um, the recruits. Uh, are you familiar with the term fire watch? I am, but we need to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, the tragic death of Patrick Vega. This is Dr. Miles Jones. I want to invite you to go on a journey to the real Mount Sinai, the one described in Psalm 24, who shall ascend the mount of the Lord? Psalm 24 is an invitation from Yehovah himself to join him at the real mountain of God in Midian, Arabia. The B'nai Imana Institute has a narrow window of opportunity to take a film crew to preserve the evidence of the Exodus. In this video series, we will be there on site to analyze the evidence, both old and new. I was honored to translate the inscriptions found at Mount Sinai and published in the writing of God, which helped bring to the world the existence of the real Mount Sinai. Now in this TV series, we will report to you directly on location. There has been a steady stream of new inscriptions from the younger generation of Exodus documenters. The Saudi government is now permitting us to go to the mountain of God in Arabia.
Help us to seize the day before this door closes. There are two ways to contribute. You can join us on the Mountain of God Tour, March 6th through 12th, 2023. Go to the Writing of God website for more information. Or you can support the production of this TV series with your gift so that we can bring it directly to you. Shalom. Do you have Muslim friends or neighbors living in America? We want to give them Bibles in their native language, and you can help. We're making a free offer to you, the viewing audience, to help give away free Bibles to Muslims. If you want us to send a copy of the New Testament for yourself or a friend in any of the following languages, we would love to send it to you free of charge. We've got an Arabic New Testament available, Farsi New Testament, Turkish New Testament, the Kurdish New Testament in Kurmanji, the Kurdish New Testament Sorani, and the Dari Gospel of John. All you need to do is contact our office by phone, 719-574-5900. Again, that's 719-574-5900. Or send an email request to hope at vopg.org. Again, that's hope, H-O-P-E, at vopg.org. And we'll process your request right away. God bless you. Stay tuned for the end of our show to learn how to partner with this ministry. Here's Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps, joined again by Manny Vega, who is telling us and recounting the tragic loss of his son. After 10 days in boot camp, Patrick Vega, serving as a Marine during boot camp, expired tragically, and his father Manny here is here uh, to tell the story. So before the break, you were saying your son was experiencing physical symptoms, uh, whether it's a respiratory infection, a stomach infection, he was vomiting, drooling, incoherent. Uh, they did not call the hospital at the right time, although he had been back and forth to doctors. At this point, he is you know, being cared for by other recruits in the barracks, and how did he die? Correct, so again, the decision was made by the commanding officer to, uh, officer today, I should say, not to call EMS or to take them to the hospital, which is a, a Naval Hospital Balboa, which is literally two miles away. I think, you know, again, me being in the Marine Corps, being a, uh, you know, being on duty on the weekend, the reality is that nobody wants to be sitting in the ER with a sick recruit. That's my, that's my gut feel. So he's left to the care of the other recruits um they initiate the fire watch schedule which again is kind of odd for me uh, to to understand that you're giving this responsibility to recruits when you have a drill instructor uh what's odd on the fire watch schedule is the the recruit who's doing has been there for several hundred days in medical rehab platoon and he assigns two hour watches as opposed to a one hour watch uh, I know pizza was ordered, an Xbox in the drill instructor's duty hut, and my son is basically left to the care of these recruits. It's almost like Lord of the Flies. My son is constantly throwing up. Uh, he's wet in his bed. He doesn't have any control whatsoever. 
Some of the recruits did take care of him. However, when it got to the latter hours of, of the night, you know, going from Friday evening, Friday night into uh, Saturday morning, something happened. They, they, they stopped keeping an eye on him. He vomited. They laid him on his back and he asphyxiated. Oh, my. He I asphyxiated get on his own vomit. And that's, that was the cause of death was he could no, not breathe. It, it, it's, it's, it's so much more complicated. So we get the call, my wife and I. Um, we had just been in San Diego the day before. We had actually been on board Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego and actually had pulled up to the barracks. And I was thinking about getting out of the car, knocking on the door, and as a former Marine, say, hey, can I meet my, say hi to my son and motivate him, you know? But I decided not to. You know, it's one of those things, coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? And, and it's so difficult to even think about that. But we, we missed that opportunity because I obviously my son was in dire need at that point. Um, I am so sorry for your loss, and I'm sorry for the personal emotion that you must have felt and the, and the survivor's guilt that you may feel uh, on top of the, the PTSD for having served our country. Um, Manny, you are a hero and your son Patrick is a hero for having made, you know, I, I'm gonna say the ultimate sacrifice for wanting to serve his country and yet being neglected, not left on a foreign battlefield, but abandoned in his own barracks by his own team members who should have been trained better uh, we need to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about the fairies doctrine. How can families get justice in, in our lawsuits allowed after this? This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and due to your incredible support, the original My Slippers are almost completely sold out. As a special thank you, I am launching my brand new all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98. This is a limited time offer, so go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get all my new footwear for as low as $29.98. My all-season slippers are made with my exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. They're finished with a breathable fabric so you can wear them all year round. And my new slides and sandals are made with patented impact gel, making them ultra comfortable and extremely durable. I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable footwear you'll ever own. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now to get your very own all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98 with your promo code. This is an introductory offer and it won't last long, so order now. Hi, I'm Dr. Chaps. I wanna introduce my friend, Mike Lindell, who wants to help support our ministry in the work of PIJN News. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Well, I think everybody out there, y'all need to get behind Pray in Jesus' Name's ministry. Dr. Chaps here, but this great ministry needs your support and you can, you should donate to it. You can also use your promo code PRAYNEWS and anything you're getting from my pillow with big discounts, a lot of those proceeds are coming right back. I'm gonna put them right back into this into your amazing charity and show. Well, thank you, sir. I accept that endorsement and we support your work at MyPillow.com. Remember everybody, when you visit, use the promo code PRAYNEWS, you get a big discount and our charity gets a little bit of help. So thank you, Mike Lindell, for your support. They get a lot of help, not a little bit, a lot of help. 
<laughs> we need all we can get for Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Defending your religious freedom. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps, joined by Manny Vega, who tragically lost his son, Patrick Vega, who was a Marine who died 10 days into boot camp in, in San Diego. Uh, Manny, after the tragedy, you began to investigate legal options. Is it possible for families to sue the military after these kind of neglectful, uh, wrongful deaths? You know, 1950, December 4th, 1950, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about Pearl Harbor, to, you know, a day that lives in infamy. Well, this is a day that lives in infamy for my family and for so many other families that have, you know, had, you know, either their loved ones seriously injured or had died in non-combat related incidents. So in 1950, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, gave an opinion that overrides written law. And so that opinion is called the Ferris Doctrine. Ferris Doctrine, that's F as in Frank, E-R-E-S. And that has to do with Lieutenant Rudolph Ferris, who served in World War II, jumped in pre-D-Day, fought through the hedgerows, fought through the Battle, the Battle of the Bulge, uh, liberated Europe, part of the greatest generation, and in 1947, after the war, he's in upstate New York uh, during winter training with other army officers and says, you know, says to the family or in a letter, hey, the boiler in this World War II barracks is going to blow up and kill us. And guess what? It blew up and it killed them. So the widows, using the newly passed Federal Courts Claim Act of 1946, began to sue the federal government. However, in 1947, uh, the Department of Defense was full. That's when we have our first chairman, the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And so they start to fight the widows in court. It goes all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And in 1950, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court gives their opinion that because active duty service members are on active duty incident to service, they cannot sue the federal government. And let me back up a little bit. The Federal Torts Claim Act of 1946 did have an exemption. And the exempt, under the exemption in subsection J, it did state that if you're on active duty in a non-combatant role, you could place a claim against the government. 1950, the U.S. Supreme Court, their opinion said, no, whether you're in combat or non-combat, you just can't sue them. And so, since 1950, for the past 73 years, we as Americans have been bad stewards of our military. We have failed our military leadership because they are acting with impunity, without any type of accountability, which leads to tragic deaths like my son. And if you go to our website, saveourservicemembers.org, you will see the countless faces and stories of young men and women who have died needlessly in non-combat related incidents. And there is no type of accountability because of that decision in 1950. What we're trying to do is that we're trying to, you know, uh, talk to our lawmakers, Congress and so on, our senators, to have them look at the 1946 Federal Torts Claim Act and reaffirm, reconfirm that what is written 
in the law book in 1946, what has been codified for the past 73 years is what they originally intended and override what the uh, U.S. Supreme Court said. Wow, uh, and you're not asking for a million dollars, you just want justice for your son, you just want your day in court, and many of these families, they're not even allowed to sue. I mean, if the if the Congress said you can sue under the tort law and there are certain ex exemptions um, to the immunity that the federal government enjoys, uh, but the Supreme Court in 1946, as you say, uh, or, or, or 48, they ruled the opposite, that no matter what Congress said, the Supreme Court is gonna make the law, that's an activist court, uh, and that needs to be overturned, and that needs to be challenged back by Congress, who should have held the authority to give you an option. Uh, what would you advise other families in your shoes? You want them to go to the website and do what? You know, it's it's tragic. As soon as we learn, you know, before before the death of my son, uh, be, you know, nobody is aware of this until it, you're personally affected, directly affected. So now, my daughter, my wife, myself, other family members, you know, we all have our Google alerts. So when we see a recruit passed away, whether it's the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Space Force, we're immediately reaching out to those families and saying, "Hey, look." Whatever you do, take names, uh, take photographs, uh, request a second autopsy, because the Armed Forces Medical Examiner System, excuse my language, sucks. Wow. <laughs> I know that's not their, they, they are the worst. NCIS, NCIS, Army, Air Force, CID, Criminal Investigation Division, the worst. As a former police officer who investigated homicides, violent crimes, there's a, there's a path that an investigation takes. There's comments that are made, witness statements, follow-ups. My God, I had to fight NCIS to get a proper death investigation for the death of my son a year and a half later. What happened, my son Patrick died March 25th of 2018. On March 26, 2018, 24 hours later, an NCIS special agent listed that my son had four incidents of sepsis, had an autoimmune condition, had been admitted to the, to the ICU multiple times, died of natural causes, and his death was medically expected, no autopsy, no further investigation, and the case was closed. Hey Manny, we're out of time, but I do wanna say a prayer for you and for your movement. Uh, their website, saveourservicemembers.org, you can learn more on how you can join that movement. Uh, Father in heaven, as a former Navy chaplain uh, who loves our Marines, Father, I pray that you would bless the families that have, have already suffered the tragic loss. Father, there's almost nothing we can do to bring them comfort uh, or to, to bring their loved one back to life, except maybe hope for the resurrection that is found in Jesus Christ, that maybe there will be a reunion in heaven one day but until then, Father, we pray for justice in this earth, in this world, for the families who have suffered wrong, who have suffered the wrongful death of a service member, and we pray that uh, Congress will take appropriate action to restore their options as it comes to court. We pray this blessing upon Manny and all those affected in Jesus' name, amen. Our guest has been Manny Vega. Our website is prayinjesusname.org. If you need prayer, pick up the phone and call us today at 866-Obey-God. 
We'll see you next time. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best financial donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now, 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.